we are to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead, that we are the redeemed. And as the redeemed, Paul is calling us, he's beseeching us to consider how we are living out our faith before others. We're, first of all, to be a living sacrifice. For the Christian, we who have been dead in our trespasses and sin have now been made alive unto God. Jesus has made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses and sins. And thus the dead become alive. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Here in Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Well, in the first couple of verses, I'm going to do a little defining of some of the words that Paul used here to kind of help us get into the message a little bit. At least it helped me. And I found as I was going over this study on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, uh, Saturday morning, Sunday, I kept coming back to verses 1 and 2. And I just kept defining these words that Paul gave to us here. And one of the reasons I want to bring the definition of some of these words, because in transposing from the Greek into the English language, sometimes we miss a little bit of the intent that Paul may have had. And he begins by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beseech you. It's parakaleo in the Greek. It's a word that means to call or to invite to call someone to do something. And we'll find this word being used, translated a different way later on in our text today, but he repeats the word again. And we want this invitation, a call from Paul. He's calling us, and we get this idea to call alongside. He's calling us, he says, by the mercies of God. So he's calling us to do something that is within our capabilities. It is by the mercies of God upon which a believer can depend as they make their bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. That he is not calling us to do something that is beyond our capability, but he would actually say, which is your reasonable service. That we present our bodies. This presentation of our body, it means in the Greek to stand besides, near, or before. And I like this understanding of standing before it reminded me it reminded me this morning of Genesis 17:1 and the bible tells us when 
Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. This presenting our bodies to stand before the Lord, to realize that we are standing before the Lord God, he who created the whole universe to Abraham when he was 99 years old. God said, walk before me. This has always reminded me of what parents do with their kids or grandparents with their grandchildren. If they're out and about, especially in a public place, especially in a crowded place, you do not tell your children, just hang out somewhere in the back where I can't watch you. No, it's like, walk before me. I have my eye on you. I want to keep my eyes on you. I want to make sure that you're safe. And Abraham was commanded at 99 years old, and he was no little kid at that point. God said, walk before me and be blameless. It means to present our bodies in service to God for the salvation that he has already provided for us, to present our bodies in service to God, realizing that we stand before and we serve the living God. In Romans 6.13, he says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. We are to present ourselves to God as being alive from the dead, that we are the redeemed. And as the redeemed, Paul is calling us, he's beseeching us to consider how we are living out our faith before others. We're first of all to be a living sacrifice. We think about something that's been sacrificed. We think of initially made me think of something that is alive and then is dead. But for the Christian, the reverse is true. We who have been dead in our trespasses and sin have now been made alive unto God, something that was dead and now is alive. Jesus has made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses and sins, and thus the dead become alive. We're also to be holy. Hagios is the Greek word for this, and it means to be sacred, and it can mean something that is physically pure or morally blameless or religiously or ceremonially consecrated unto God. We are to be holy. We're to have and live this consecrated life unto God. And he says, which is acceptable to God. And Peter likewise teaches that the church is not a brick and mortar building, but those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are as living stones. We are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, and to offer a spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are to offer our lives as a spiritual sacrifice or together our sacrifices to God, which is acceptable. This is our reasonable service. This word for reasonable speaks about intelligence, meditation, or reflection. You've actually thought about this. This is our reasonable, intelligent service unto God. The word does not have the sense of worship 
in a song because it could be this is our reasonable service, this is our reasonable worship. It could have been translated like that. Our reasonable worship. It does not have the sense of worship in a song or a prayer, but the place of sacrifices. It refers to the daily life determined to live by faith. This is our true worship. How do we live out our faith before others in the everyday world that we live in? In Hebrews 2.28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So how do we become a living sacrifice first and foremost? Well, Psalm 51.17 reminds us that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. We become a living sacrifice through our brokenness before God. And he says in verse 2, that good, acceptable, perfect will of God, that we are not to conform to this world, but we are to be transformed. That word for conform, it means to fashion alike or conform into the same pattern. We live in a world today, especially here in the United States, that there are many who are saying that the church must be fashioned like, the church must conform to the immoral standards of this world, which they are now calling morality, which the Bible speaks against in so many of these ways. But we are not to conform, we're not to be fashioned alike or to have the same pattern of this world. We are to be transformed. Metamorpho, it has two O's at the end of that word. We don't normally have words that end like that, so it's kind of a tongue twister for me. But it means to change, to be transfigured, to transformed. This verse could be read something like this. Stop being molded by the external and fleeting fashions of this age, but undergo a deep inner change by the qualitative renewing of your mind. Sadly, today, churches in our world are holding to a compromised biblical worldview, and it's weakened the church. It's led to apostasies within the church, things that were unthinkable just a few decades ago, such as belief in evolution and the lack of biblical understanding of what redemption actually means. There are the acceptance of social issues that conflict with the written word of God. And we find that this is a big ticket item. It's a big agenda in our world today, especially in our school systems. But to correct these worldly influences, it's necessary to explore for the church again, to explore the basic principles upon which the church is founded. It includes the reliability of the word of God, that you can trust your Bible the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ and the responsibility of the church to live out their faith before others. The key is our transformation to the will of God, not that we should conform to this world. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
You know, the world is calling us to conform. This is a piece that was written by the late Francis Schaeffer. He wrote, here's the great evangelical disaster. The failure of the evangelical world to stand for truth as truth. There is only one word for this, namely accommodation. The evangelical church has accommodated to the world spirit of the age. First, there has been the accommodation on scripture so that many who call themselves evangelicals hold a weakened view of the Bible and no longer affirm the truth of all the Bible teaches. Truth not only in religious matters, but in areas of science and history and morality. This accommodation has been costly. First, in destroying the power of the scriptures to confront the spirit of our age. And second, in allowing a further slide of our culture. Thus, we must say with tears that it is the evangelical accommodation to the world spirit around us to the wisdom of this age, which removes the evangelical church from standing against the breakdown of our culture. Because the church is accommodating to the, to the ways, the fashioning themselves, conforming to the image of this world, that we are actually guilty of causing the breakdown of our culture. I think many years ago when I was a teenager and we saw the Lord Jesus Christ do a work among the churches, which today we look back at and we call the Jesus movement. And a lot of that movement took place at a Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa under the leadership of Pastor Chuck Smith, but other churches as well, that our society was going a course that would have led to the breakdown of our culture, but God had mercy upon our society and he began to work in the hearts of teenagers and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that God's hand through that revival that took place in the late 60s and 70s actually stayed the slide of our culture to conforming into the image of this world. Recently, we have discovered one of the uh, Hillsong worship leaders, Marty Simpson, declared that he was genuinely losing his faith. John Cooper, the front man to the uh, Christian band Skillet, he wrote a Facebook post a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. He titled the post, What in God's Name is Happening to Christianity? And in this post, Cooper nailed this issue of believers conforming to the world versus the transforming of our lives. Listen to what he had to say. My conclusion for the church of all us Christians, we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders and influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, that includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years and seemed probably quite judgmental to some of my peers that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teaching of the Word of God. It is time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the Word to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion, 
And what we are seeing now is the result of the church raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth and who have led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of the truth. Brothers and sisters, in the faith all around the world, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, influencers, I implore you, please, please, in your search for relevancy for the gospel, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our culture by stifling the inconvenient truths, but rather let us hold on even tighter to the anchor of the living word of God. For Isaiah 48, he concludes saying, For he changes not, and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And how we reverse our accommodation of this world, it's only by transformation. It's first by transforming our lives into the will of God. And this transformation is accomplished first and foremost through faith in Jesus Christ. That's step number one. David realized this in Psalm 51.10 when he cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And a clean heart only comes by faith in Jesus Christ because the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7, that it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And as we place our faith in Jesus, our hearts then are made pure, as it tells us in Acts 15, 8 and 9. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between them and us, purifying their hearts by faith. And second, this transformation takes place by the daily washing of God's word. David asked the question in Psalm 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way? And the answer, by taking heed according to your word. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15.3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And in Ephesians 5.26, Paul reminds us that we are washed by the water of God's word. And though once dead in our trespasses and sin, Jesus has made us alive together with him. Not that we should conform to the image of this world, but that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Remember that intelligence reasonable service unto God. In verses 3 through 5, Paul goes on to talk about this measure of faith. I'll read the context for us. Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the same members do not have the same functions. So we, being many, are one, one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So since we are all saved by faith through the work of Jesus Christ, we have no reason to boast in ourselves. That boasting, taking pride, as if we had something to do with our own salvation, here was all the work of Jesus Christ. All we did was receive what Christ has to offer us. In Proverbs 26, 12, Solomon 
Speaking about this pride, he says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So, first of all, and first and foremost, don't think more highly than we ought to. But we are to think soberly. And Paul isn't using this word, telling the church to sober up as if they are drunk from alcohol. It's a word that means to be of sound mind or to be of right mind. It's using self-judgment, self-discipline in our lives. Peter used this word as well when he said in 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. That we are to be of sound mind or of right mind. We are to be sober. Self-judgment, self-discipline in the process of this. But God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. He has dealt. Now, I have to tell you that I've been reading this for a while and it reminds me of some playing cards. And God has dealt to each one of us, we'll play five card stud here, I shouldn't do this in church, but <laughs> each one of us a measure of faith. And the dealer lays out the cards. And I believe the church, much like at times, they take the cards that they've been dealt and some in the church hold them close to the chest, want to make sure nobody else sees. You've been dealt a measure of faith that has to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has given you. And you're looking at the cards and you're thinking, okay, I don't want anybody else to know about this. And so you hide them, you hold them close. Or you look at them and you think, really? That's what you dealt me? I'll have two other cards, please. I want to exchange my cards for something else. I don't like, Lord, what you have dealt me. And I think, in all honesty, that it's time we as the church would lay our cards before the Lord and before others, lay out our gifts that God can begin to use these gifts and to work in us and through us. That to each one, Ephesians 4, 7, he says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And God has dealt to each one of us certain giftings. And sadly, many have chosen to hold those giftings close to their chest, thinking that they don't want anybody else to see them or fearing that they might lose them. And I believe it's time for us to lay them out before the Lord that God might not only use our giftings, but might be glorified through them. In 1 Corinthians 7, 17, it says, But God has distributed to each one, and the Lord has called each one. So let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. As the Lord has called each one, let him walk, as the Lord has called us. So we're not to conform, we're to be transformed. Here in Romans 12, verses 1 through 8, first and foremost, we have seen the living sacrifice. What really stood out to me, that the reverse of this living sacrifice, we think of the sacrifice in the Old Testament, we think of something that was alive, that became dead. But for us to be a living sacrifice, it is we, before we were believers in Jesus Christ, we were dead in the trespasses of our sins, but now we have become alive. A measure of faith, verses 3 through 5, we have seen that the Lord has given to each one of us a measure of faith, 
And it is through love that we are to serve one another. And may we do it unto the Lord to others as if our heart is dancing and our eyes are just singing with delight as we serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it has spoken to us this day. And I believe, Lord, this could be a challenging message. First and foremost, Lord, the challenge is, do we know you as Savior? Because when we speak about spiritual giftings, the very first step of receiving the spiritual gifts of our Lord comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But secondly, Lord, as believers, are we using the gifts that you have given us? Or have we been holding them close? Not letting others to see them. Lord, if we've been holding those gifts close, I pray, Lord, that we would just lay them out before you today. Lord, that there would be a heart of surrender in this fellowship to submit our will to yours. Lord, that we would not be conformed, but that we would be transformed. Lord, this day, by the renewing of our minds, that we would be holy, that we would present our lives, which is our reasonable service. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.